Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Make no mistake. If you're an author, you're an entrepreneur. You're selling the world on your book, aren't you? Of course, it's not as easy as launching a business and then tossing any old book up on Amazon. That's why I help entrepreneurs publish books on the specific topic and in the specific way that will launch or grow their businesses. Welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with your professor, Anna David. Hi there. Welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with your host and professor, Anna David. Brought to you by Book Elevator Pitch. If you want to know what that is and you do, go to bookelevatorpitch.com. It is what you need uh, in order to finish and talk about your book. If you're writing a nonfiction book, welcome to the show. You know what we do here. We talk to entrepreneurs and best-selling authors about how to build a book how to build a book that will build your business. Yeah, you do build a book. It's not a bad word. Uh, this is such a great episode for you guys. Uh, it is all about how to set up a podcast tour for your book. I did have a previous guest, John Corcoran, talk about um, why it's important to get on podcasts, why podcasters really want to speak to authors, all of that. But this is the expert on setting up podcast tours. His name is Alex Sanfilippo, and he has a top-rated podcast himself called Podcasting Made Simple. He's also the founder of podpros.com. He's a pod-obsessed man. And he, most relevantly for you, he started a service called Podmatch, which matches podcast guests with hosts, like a dating website for podcast guests and hosts. It's pretty great. Um, in this episode, what we talked about that I thought was most interesting, he talked about why sometimes going on the bigger shows is not good, Sometimes saying yes to every podcast, even when you're new to doing podcasts, is not a good idea, and so much more. So with that, I give you Alex Sanfilippo. Thank you so much for being here, Alex. And it's so such an honor to be here. I'm really excited about what we're going to be able to do to add value today. So thank you so much for having me. Well, so I think we should just get right into it. I would call you a podcast obsessed man. Am I correct? <laughs> I've never been called that before, but yes, that's uh, strangely accurate. So, and so we'll talk about the services you offer, but first let's just get right into it. If somebody who's listening is in the process of writing a book, thinking about writing a book, um, maybe has written the book, wants to do an author tour, what are the steps? They, they know, I, I always say it, a podcast is the very best way to to promote your book better than mainstream TV, better than the Today Show. So how how should they start going about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm glad that you said it. it's it's kind of like the, the best method out of the bunch. And there's a couple of reasons for that, especially with your audience being 
really busy, successful entrepreneurs trying to get a physical book tour going, like going like town to town, if people even do that, right? Or like even something local, that's going to be a lot more work than saying, hey, I'm going to block out an hour of my time to jump on a podcast today, right? Like not even leaving the office, not even leaving the desk. It's just a much easier way to get the same message out, which I really personally love. Uh, I mean, I work from a home office, so I think it's just a great thing as a busy entrepreneur myself. But anyway, yeah, I, I believe that this is a really powerful method. And I think the best way to get started is to really figure out the approach that you want to take. So a lot of us being entrepreneurs, we, we're multifaceted from the sense of, yes, we have the book or the idea for the book, right? But we've also got the business and we've got the hobby and then we've got the side hustle on the side right. hustle, right? right? Like we've got all these things. Yeah. The first thing you want to do is really narrow down what you are going to share specifically. And I always say it can change, but it needs to be one thing at any given time. So if you say today it's the book, then only talk about the book. And what I mean is someone asks you a question about your personal life, you'd be like, oh, I don't really want to talk about it. Let's talk about the book. What I mean is if you're like an amateur surfer on the side of now a busy entrepreneur who's published a book, don't jump on surfing podcasts right now, right? Like say no to those for now. And for now, stay focused on the tour that you're on, just like you would with a physical tour. You wouldn't take all these detours on it, right? Like you're going to stay focused on the main thing. So I think number one is really figure out what you are going to be doing, what you're going to be talking about. Get that really laser focused with yourself because once you have that foundation, you're able to look at the industry and decide what you want to do moving forward. So the author can look at their book and go, okay, it, I mean, it, it, this has a specific slant. So let's say it's it's a, an entrepreneur has written a book on um, on how, how to build a business. What should that entrepreneur's first step be to get yeah, this so tour going? Commit to themselves that they're only going to talk about their book and starting a business, right? So again, we, we, we get all that out there. The next thing would be to identify how many shows they want to get on. Because I'll, I'll tell you this shows that would be a good fit for a topic like that, there are going to be tens of thousands of them out there. And podcasting is an abundance area. Like that whole industry is just full of abundance. So there is a lot of opportunity. But if you just say, I'm going to go on all of them, might not be a good idea. What you really want to do is say, okay, I would like to get on, let's say 52 this year. I'm going to do one a week for an entire year, which is a very ambitious goal, I'd say. But let's just imagine that's what you have committed to. The next thing you want to do is really identify the just specific avatar or reader of your book, the person that you can most speak to with your content. So again, that's a fictitious character. I, I have one for my podcast. His name is Adam. Adam okay. is not real, but I can tell you anything you want to know about Adam, his age, his relationships, how often he works out, like where he works, like all those things are little details I have. And I think that once you've said, okay, I want to get on this many shows and I'm only going to be talking to this avatar. Now you can look at the 10,000 shows that are in that category that might be a pretty good fit and identify the ones that would be the absolute best fit for you at that point. Or if they're coming to you, you can clearly just start funneling them saying, okay, this one's a no, this one's a yes. You can start having that opportunity to do that sort of thing. Okay. Two things. I personally have always had struggled with this avatar and I, and, and I always tell my clients, uh, you know, what, what I say is picture one person, my most recent book, I pictured literally, this is kind of a great story, a couple that I knew, super cool. They had talked to me about hiring my company. I wrote this book, thought of them. Would they like this? Would they be offended by this? Blah, 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 all this stuff. And they never hired me, but lots and lots of people like them did. Years pass. I see them. I love them so much. I was like, oh my God, this is so hilarious. I wrote this book thinking of you guys. Guess what? 
then they hired me. Anyway, right. <laughs> so it takes, it maybe takes, but, but I didn't care that they hadn't hired me because having them as an avatar got me really clear. When it comes to podcasts, even say what we're doing right now to get really meta, I can't picture one person. I know my listeners, you know, Christine, if you're listening, I think of Christine and Ashley a lot because they are literally, they are so enthusiastic about this show and comment and, and all the things. But there's guys who listen. There are people clearly who are not Christine and Ashley. How do I handle that? That's such a good question. And I, I think it's a really important point. Like getting to the point where you know your listener is a great thing. When you're the host, you can do that. When you're the guest, you're not really sure. You don't want to be like, hi, mom, I bet you're going to listen to this, right? Like right. If, you're, if you're the host, when you start knowing your audience, that is a very clear, as, a, as someone who's being a guest, that is a clear example of what a healthy podcast looks like. Like when you actually can call people out that you know are going to listen, yeah. that is, in my mind, the best place a podcast can be. And I, I think a lot of people just skip that and they always just have the fictitious avatar. Now, I want to make it really clear that is the foundation. So if yeah. you're not sure who's listening, have that. If you're going to be a guest and you don't know everything about the show, like even though I've listened to your podcast, I don't know who's listening. Like right. I couldn't have told you that you said Christine and Ashley, I think, right? Like <laughs> yeah. I, I, if I knew who they were, that would be very weird, right? Like if very. I did that much research to discover, hey, I saw two really engaged people, that right. would be like borderline stalker level. Yeah. So again, as the the guest, I'm just going to create an avatar and I'm going to look for shows like yours that reference specific listeners because that means that you've built a tribe, you built a community. That means they're going to be really engaged. And because they trust you so much, I've kind of already developed a little bit of that know, like, and trust with them as well because you invited me to the platform. Right. So again, as the as the guest, you have to just do your best to say, okay, is this aligned with who I think I really can speak to? And if you decide you have a real person in mind saying, okay, like me, I, I think of a, a couple friends in my life. Like I think my buddy Jared, who I'm like, okay, would he get something from this? Because we're really well aligned and he's always interested in similar things. Would he like this podcast? Like you can make it real if you want to do something like that. And I, I think that that's, equally as healthy in my mind. So you, you mentioned uh, passing on podcasts that aren't aligned. Is that really a good idea if you're brand new to podcasting? Shouldn't you say yes to everything? So th this is like a controversial uh, opinion here, but I, I still say no. I know a lot of people who say yes, just get on them, get the reps in and stuff like that. For me, there's just so many podcasts. I, I want to be on ones that I really truly believe I can add value even if I get nothing out of it, I want to know that I can show up and I'm talking about my proper craft, the thing that I want to talk about right now and showing up to do the best I possibly can. It, I, I've been invited on some, for lack of a better term, some strange podcasts. When I say strange, to me, they're strange because I'm like, I don't, I don't even know that topic. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and I've been, I got invited to one that was actually strictly higher education and college professors listening to it. I didn't finish college. I started investing instead and just that, that worked out for me. And so I'm like, hey, I don't even have like a, an actual degree, like a, like a college degree. And like, yeah, but you still seem like you'd be fun. And that's when I easily just was like, no, I'm sorry. I just think that who you're explaining as the listener is not really going to gain much from me. They probably wouldn't even appreciate hearing me. So I really think of it that way. Now, again, controversial because some people say just jump on any, any single one that you possibly can. My method is just because I'm a busy entrepreneur, I want to only be on the ones I think are absolutely 100% the best fit for me as a, as like for, for my business and me, but also for the people I can add value to. Yeah. I mean, and listener, when you start to uh, experience this, when you are requested for more podcasts than you want to be on, it is an actual problem. I know that I, uh, 
have trouble saying no. I, I'm, I really in life don't have trouble saying no, but I will often say, I don't like going on podcasts that much. And it's the truth. I don't like going on podcasts that aren't aligned with me, but I feel like it's really not a cool thing to do. I find it not that easy to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you on that. You know, what's interesting. A lot of people that are newer, it, you, you're experienced at this point, but a lot of people that are newer. They'll just start going on all of them. And I've seen this happen even on some of our platforms and they'll line up 10 or 12. They'll get about four in and be like, I hate this. Like, yeah. I don't like this. And usually it's because they're getting on shows they're not aligned with. So they feel like an hour goes by and they feel like they just wasted their time. Yeah. And, and it didn't really do anything for them. And maybe it helped somebody, which if it did great, but chances are it's probably just a total misalignment. And yeah. some hosts don't understand that you need to really have a narrow niche and be very focused. Now, uh, there's some that are like entrepreneurship is a more of a broad category, right? Like even you found a sub niche within it though, right. which I think is, is a really good thing. So for me, it's like, cool, you have a focus. But if it's just like, the podcast about everything. Like if that's what it's called, that's just probably not going to help a lot of people out. It's just a really random thing. Okay. So they're doing their searches. They are figuring it out. Do you recommend going to iTunes? You know, one thing that I know Jeremy will recommend is going to iTunes, looking at, you know, the top ones, because those are the ones you're going to know about kind of going down a level and then looking, what do listeners also listen to? What's your process? What's your recommendation? I think that's a really great idea. I think a lot of people, they do though, Anna, is they get to the top shows and they just stop there and I say, know. cool, I want to be on all these shows. Yeah. And I have, again, some maybe controversial opinions on that, but the, the first of which being that if you're on a show, you're like, oh, I'm only going on shows with more than a million people listening. Right. Listen, most niche shows will not have a million people listening. What has happened is the show has grown because people really like the host which in many cases, they have just blocked out the guests. They expect to learn something, they expect to be dazzled, but they are not going to follow any call to action. I've now been on a few different million plus download shows and they've done less for me than some shows with under 100 listeners. Not because I didn't deliver. I mean, I delivered really great value, but there's a million people listening. They're not there for me. The host at this point is famous and people just love to hear the host. They like a little aha and they'll be like, there was this guy in there the other day. They don't know my name. They don't care yeah. to know my name. They know the host's name. But on these shows with 150, 200 people listening to them, and it's really narrow focused on my niche, they're like, this guy, Alex Sanfilippo, came on the show and shared about this, which is exactly what I've been looking for. It's why I listen to the show is to learn that very thing. Oh, and I just think that so many people that get in, they're like, only more than 100, you know, 100,000 downloads per episode. Like, that's all I'm going to, I'm not going to waste my time. But the thing is, it's because we've kind of developed this social media, um, I guess, like persona, it's the same value. So like a picture with 50 likes isn't a big deal. But podcast listenership is like people sitting in seats. So if there's 50 people sitting in seats versus a picture with 50 likes, which is more valuable? Not to downplay the value of social media, but you all, everyone listening to this gets what I mean. Like the, the seats, if I told you I got 50 people in the next room who want to hear exactly what you have to share, you're the ideal person for them to speak to. Everyone who's listening to this is going to show up every day of the week to speak to those 50 people because they want to receive from you. Anyway, a little rant there. I'm going to turn it back over to you. Sorry about that. I love that so much because it's also what I always say about books is people get, I want to be a New York Times bestselling author. I want to sell this, you know, and I, I always say a hundred people reading your book who are going to take action is so much better than 10,000 who are kind of going to forget it. Yes. So true. So, okay. So how does somebody niche down? I mean, by being a podcast listener and finding the niche podcast, that's how, that's how you target yeah. I mean, really what you're, what you're saying there is like, start from the top level, right? Like look at what the shows are, look for shows and comments. So if you're using like, 
I, I don't really know how Spotify works with that, but I know Apple Podcasts, as someone has an iPhone, you can see related shows. And they're typically much smaller shows. And start looking at some of those. Start finding the ones that feel like a good fit. Or there's services out there that can help with this as well. And that will actually help you find the right host to be with and stuff like that. Like, the, like I say be with, right? Like, but actually connect with them so you can be the guest on their show. Anna here. Now, are you an entrepreneur who wants to write and publish a book about your own failures turned successes? Well, good news. That's what my company, Legacy Launchpad, does. Find out more at LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. That's LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. Now, should you do a book, you ask? I think so. Why? Because you're worth it. Now back to the show. There's all well, kinds of ways to do this. How can I not say that uh, you have a service that does that? I mean, I know we're not you were not, you know, promoting actively, but okay. So you have this service pod match. How does it work? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm one, like I said, I show up to add value and uh, if it's valuable for people to hear great. So my service is called pod match and it literally is like for lack of a better term, it's like a dating app, but for podcast interviews. So instead of connecting people for dates, it connects them for podcast interviews. So if you register as a guest saying, I am talking about starting a business, I wrote a book on it. This is what I want to talk about. It's going to match you with podcast hosts who are looking for guests and they want that guest to talk about how to start a business. So it's automatically going to match you. Like I said, it's, not, it's, it's going to be the, the lower tier from a download level. Like I think the show quality is still top tier, but the download numbers will be smaller, which I find those niche podcasts be a lot better. But that's what you're going to connect with when you use a service like this. And Podmatch is not the only one out there. There's others. I encourage people to go take a look around to see what the right fit for somebody is. But I created this because of the act, the problem we're talking about here today, right? Right. I've got a book. I'm a busy entrepreneur. I don't want to spend time going through iTunes and through all these different directories and stuff to try to find podcasts. I just would rather something say, hey, here's three really good options today. What do you think? Right? Like That's what I am looking to do as a podcast guest myself. And that's how I find the mass majority of my interviews. And I do about 50 a year right now. That's great. Yeah. I don't know when you sleep and it's, I mean, it's fine. Maybe, maybe you don't. Um, I'm going to call you. I'm ready to write a book about that because I do sleep. So I'll, I'll let you know when it's time for that. All right. Talk, speaking of books, what's your book? Let's I don't have a book. It. Oh, I thought I you just said I'm a bit. Oh, no, no. You were, you were so in it that you were embodying the listener. I was, I was oh. sorry. I'm so sorry. I was not that I'm speaking as a listener. So sorry. Oh, um, I do so not have a good. book at this point, but I will one day and I'll call you when it's time. Okay. You absolutely should. So, what is very meta about that exact misunderstanding is, would you say showing up to add value is the most important thing that they can do? They should be thinking about the listener. They're yes. not thinking about promoting their book. Yeah, yes. Right? I mean, a hundred percent. And I've, I've actually found as a podcast host myself, the, the guests that tell me that they sold the most books or did the best with my show or had the most downloads were the people that literally, when I asked them where they can find their book, they're just like, like, Alex, I don't really want to talk about that. Like if someone likes it, they'll just find it themselves. Let's just tell them everything about the book on this episode and just give it all away. And if they want more, they can find it. They're the ones that always do the best. I've only had a couple of guests do this, but they're like, well, I'm not going to tell you about chapter five because you got to grab the book to learn about that. Nobody's interested in that. People are listening to learn. They want to know that they can trust you. And even if you said the whole book word for word, if someone got value from it, they're going to go buy the book. That's just right. how humans are at least in the space that we're talking about, like starting a business, right? That's self-improvement. The thing is, and you know, this to be true, people who buy self-development books are usually the ones that need them the least. And that's just 
the nature of it. Or people that buy business improvement books. They're the ones that probably are on the right track already, right. but they're the ones willing to invest in themselves. So for me, podcasting is all about adding as much valuable, packing in as much as you possibly can. And as a result, the byproduct is you're able to actually convert something into sales or leads. Now, would you say, as I have, that it's rude to go on a podcast that you're not familiar with? I, I personally think so. Some people that are doing like heavy numbers, like hundreds of podcasts a year, I, I don't even know how they would. And that's for me why like one year I did 100 and that was just too many. And this year I'm doing 50 because I can actually listen to each podcast before I go on it. I prefer that because I actually want to know who's listening and also the cadence of the host. Like example, you and I have very similar inner energies, but sometimes I'll go on on a show where the host is really monotone. And if I come on, I'm like, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing today? Right. Like if I yeah. come at that show with that energy, it's gonna be like, oh, my gosh, because the listeners, again, they like the host and like, who is this crazy guy? Right. That, that got brought on the show, right? right? So I just think it's really important to hear that so you can understand, not to pretend to be somebody you're not, but just to understand how you can respectfully enter that stage. And so, yeah, for me, I think it's so important that you listen to at least a few episodes of the show just to have an idea of what you're stepping into. So so they they get, they get on the show. If they're not using Podmatch or a site like it, uh, they should just, you know, they could just Google producer show, you know, and, and I think probably get very clear on this is a show that doesn't even want pitches that, you know, and that if, if the producer or host information is hard to find, they probably don't accept pitched guests. Would you say that? That's a, that's a safe bet. You know, I actually saw on your website, you got somebody on the Jordan Harbinger show, which is like one of the, the biggest shows in the world. But I can tell you right now, like I know him personally nobody who emails him ever gets on the show. Like it doesn't work that way. If, if you did that way, good for you. I don't know how you did that. But in general, he strictly has his list and he's just going after that list and everybody yeah. else is like, sorry, I'm just not interested. And yeah, a lot of those bigger shows, especially or shows that just make it really hard to contact them. It's because they don't want to be contacted. They've already got their plan, their strategy in place. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they should just reach out. Uh, I, I actually have a pitch letter. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. Like the, you can't lose pitch letter. I went through a phase where I was trying to get on podcasts to promote this podcast, but as I told you, I don't like going on podcasts that much. So <laughs> right. I stopped, but I pitched a couple and someone wrote me back and said, this is the best pitch letter I've ever gotten. Mm. So I actually have that as a sample. The reason that I know what to say is because I've gotten so many mostly bad pitches and then a couple amazing ones where I basically said, I don't care who you are. This pitch is so good. I need to have you on. I, I love that you brought that up because I have some people tell me, oh, I tried the podcasting thing. I just couldn't get on. So people aren't interested. And I've always asked like, okay, can you show me what you sent them? And it's like five or six paragraphs. And it's all like, I did this, then I did that. And then I'm this, and then I'm that. And I'm like, who just honestly, who wants to read that? Like I, that's, and I, I'm usually pretty honest with people. I'm like, I, that's not interesting to me. This sounds terrible. Like, yeah. I don't care. Like what I care about is what are you showing up to add value to my audience? How are you going to show up? And I imagine your pitch that I really hope you share with everybody. It has that side of it, right? Like it's got to, I'm imagining. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about what you can provide, what you see has been amazing, but hasn't been provided, how much you'll share it. I, I always suggest reviewing the podcast and showing your screenshot because you know that there's nothing so good. a host wants more than a review. 
Um, I do the same thing. And that at the end of the day, you're going to get a response if you do that. Like if if yeah. a if a host doesn't even respond after you left them a review and send it to them, then they're probably a jerk and you don't want to be on that show anyway. Yeah. But just that one tip alone, I mean, I again that's me really good for people because again, one of the reasons that people don't get on shows is because they're pitching really terribly. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even clear what they're after. So a host that's already busy and probably getting four or five of those a day is just like, this is just another one for the recycle bin. Yeah, I will say what I'm, uh, you know, 99% of the time I'm getting pitches from publicists and, um, and I, I, I just delete them. I do not show them the respect of responsing, responding because they have not shown me the respect of being at all clear on what my podcast is. So I have no issues with it, but literally they're just pitching random people. They, because my my podcast has the word entrepreneur in it. They're just pitching entrepreneurs who don't have books. They're just right. like, hey, have have my client on. You know, don't do that. You know, and that's that's an important point. That's why I like websites like my own Podmatch, but the others that are more of directories, because you know, if a host has put their show on these directories or in these matching services, whatever you want to call them. They're actually looking for guests, one, but two, they're trying to avoid the whole email thing. So yeah. you could go the email route and try to search for their emails and you'll find it on their websites. You can also go the social media route, but the social media side, you're also blind to knowing if they're actually looking for a guest or not. Yeah. And that's why I, at the very least, I recommend people to, again, save your time. If the idea is to share about the book and get on shows, the time you spend looking for shows doesn't really have a huge ROI because it's not doing anything for you, right? Yeah. You can also hire somebody to do it, but you're talking about those publicists that do that. And often they are just, they're using the spray and, and pray method. They'll yeah. send it to 300 shows and hope that three get back to them. Yeah. And at the same time, they're kind of almost giving you a bad name because your name is in every one of those emails. And eventually you're going to read, someone's going to read that and be like, oh, this is that really annoying guy who always has people reach out on his behalf, right? Like, Oh, it's happened. It's yeah. happened to me. And frankly, I've accepted maybe five or six p- pitches over the last couple of years and they've never been my best guests hmm. ever. The my best guests are the ones where I go, I want this person. I'm going to get them. And you were one of them. By the yeah. Way. And I appreciate that. I'm, I'm honored to be on that list. Thank you. Yeah. Because it's like, I know what the holes are in, in what I've explained to the audience. And I know who can fill them. I, I don't always know. I know the hole. Then I see someone. I go, that's the person that can explain it the best. So so do you think when it comes to a book, it's crucial that those uh, interviews are set up and timed to the book release? Not necessarily. I mean, that would be in a perfect world. I think that's probably ideal. And you may even know that better than I do. Like going on a pre-launch tour could be really, really great. Right. I see people mess that up, though. And this is why I'm not sure how it really works is the book comes out in two weeks. They're like, cool, I need to get on some podcasts. Yeah. Well, that episode's not, you're probably not recording it for another 30 days. And it's probably not coming out for another 90 days. So you're going to miss your launch. I actually had somebody just the other day tell me, hey, my book comes out the end of August. I'm going to start at the beginning of August getting on podcast. And I told them, hey, listen, it's time now. Like now you need to, months before. And yeah. I just think that's a really important thing. So for me, I don't know because I see so few people get the launch timing correct. But have you, I'd love to just turn the question on you. Have you seen that work before? It's very hard. It is very, very hard. Just for me personally, even with that planning um, and the, and the host says, I said, oh, you know, you'll say, please don't release it. You do it early. Please don't release it until this week. They always say yes. They always release it early. The book's not (laughs) even out yet. Right. And, and it's just, it's just the reality. I once had a pitched guest who I had on. And I had had this like horrible surgery, like horrible surgery the week that it was released. And I released it. And her publicist wrote me and said, um, her book's not coming out till next week. 
thoughts. And I was like, my thought is I just came out of really bad surgery and that's just how it is. And she's like, uh, we need to change that thoughts. And I was just like, oh my God, that's <laughs> my best advice I can ever give to anyone is never do that. If that, cause it just makes me dislike the guest who was perfectly fine and not I promote the episode. You bring up a good point here. And with my, I used to have an entrepreneurship show. Now everything I do is focused on podcasting. Like you said, I'm like podcasting through and through. I think if you like, if I start bleeding, it would just be podcasting yeah. um, at this point. But uh, what I used to do, because I had some run-ins with like getting the timing right. Cause I, I wanted to help the guests. Cause usually they're really great guests. Right. Yeah. And then their team comes in. It has to be released on this day. I'm like, well, I only release on Tuesdays. Like it yeah. can't go on Thursday. They're like, well, it can't go out the Thursday, the Tuesday four can be the Tuesday, the Thursday, Tuesday yeah. after. Right. Like moving around. What I started doing is just telling the 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 guests when they come on, if the book isn't out yet, I'm like pretend like it's out. Like don't yeah. say pre-order, don't say pre-release, don't say any of that. Say the book is out, it's doing great, and here's where here's where you can get it basically. And I just found it to be it takes all the pressure off me. I just make sure okay, this one's release date is after this date because that's when it will launch. And the thing is, even if it comes out a week early, someone at the worst case they're just gonna see oh a pre-order link, cool, right? Like it's it, that's still okay. And then a week after that, because you want it to be evergreen, now it is truly a live book. And I, I will notice when I look at my download numbers, so many people are discovering these episodes long after they're out. I, yes. I think, I, I don't know, cause I, I haven't made a lot of effort to figure it out, but like how many subscribers versus listeners and all that stuff. But, um, it's, it's, it's there for life. So if it's a week early, please don't bug the host about that. <laughs> it's a good point. And I'm, I'm glad you brought this up too, cause I just think that Really, if you're going on your book tour, it doesn't need to be on a specific timeline. Like, you know, your book's been out for a year at this point. If you haven't done it yet, you might as well go for it. I don't see that being a problem personally. I don't at all. And I would say one of the major issues uh, that I see are authors are so focused on the launch that they forget it's got a life and, and that the launch, sure, it's important in an ideal world. You've got all your ducks in a row doesn't really matter. Um, and I think the, the misconception comes from traditional publishing, which is so focused on the launch week, because once they have the launch week, they know which books they're going to put more uh, resources behind. But if you're not doing traditional publishing, um, you can just keep promoting it for as long as you want. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because a, a guy that I know, his name's Brant, he released a book and a year later got on some podcast. And one of them he got on was a, and he did went like the traditional publishing route. And one of them he got on, it was like a multi-level marketing, a direct sales guru. It was like her podcast and all of her tribe listen. Anyway, right after the podcast, she, I guess she bought the book for everybody. And it was like a thousand books and they didn't have a thousand of them in stock. So like he was on my podcast next. He's like, dude, I just sold out of books. He goes a year after it came out, like a thousand books in one, in like one quick split second, everyone bought it. And it's just like, oh, cool. That book has, it's not like this was a day one thing. This is a year yeah. later we're talking. So yeah. yeah, there's still a life that book. And I hope that when anybody listening to this is writing a book, that you're not writing it just for today. You're writing it for the future and Absolutely. doing your best to keep it at least evergreen for as long as you possibly can, which means the life cycle of your book can continue in years to come. And speaking of that, um, I've barely talked about this on the show, but right now I'm in the process of writing a book based on these podcast interviews, I ask the guests who are really providing value. So I'm going to ask you while you're being recorded, may I use this interview in my book? Please do. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be, that'd be so cool. And I'm, and I'm subtly telling you guys the most amazing book is going to, I'm going to release it in 2023. Um, but it's, it, it's so exciting because I'm, I've had so many amazing guests 
And I don't know if you experienced this, but it starts with podcasting to move so fast. They're sharing gems and I'm like, okay, next week's guest and next week's guest and having these transcripts and taking them apart and putting them together in a book. I'm actually appreciating the ridiculous wisdom that I've been able to hear by doing this. It's pretty great. It's it's so cool because we're just having a conversation and I've always found this to be true, but conversations I've just had through my, my life, whether there's a microphone in front of you or not, is where you get some of the most insightful information that you can learn and apply in your life. Podcasting is simply putting a mic between two people having a great conversation. And I just think it's it's set up in position for powerful things to happen. I think it's why I believe the world is just primarily being served through podcasts these days from an educational standpoint. People are learning, growing, and changing from what they're hearing through podcasts because they're just a fly on the wall in what could be a really beautiful conversation. So, I mean, I can't wait to pick up that book myself because I'm sure, like you're saying, it, and the fact that you do such a good job vetting your guests, it's going to be full of just all kinds of wisdom that I would love to learn personally. It's so good. <laughs> well, so Alex, we have to wrap up. Tell me, um, how can people find you? Oh, we did say, well, I want to get into this a little bit. So I t- said to you, I don't want to go on Podmatch because I don't want to be pitch guest because I know who I want. And you were like, that'd be interesting to talk about. What do you have to say about that? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you can always say no. And if it brings you to somebody that you didn't realize existed or that might just be that perfect guest that you're like, oh, there's this, like you're saying, there's this like hole in my mind of like what we're looking for. Maybe it could fill it, right? It could just be another avenue, but there's no harm in saying no. Granted, if you do have like a very strict, this is exactly where I'm going and there's no room, then don't do it. And I, I believe I said that in our initial email that we, we had back and forth, like, hey, maybe it's yeah. just not the right fit. But to me, I, I think it's always worth potentially discovering somebody who might not know how else to find you. Maybe it's just the connection method that that work, would work best. And that's kind of my thought on it. Oh, but that reminds me of another thing. What about uh, taking money for guests? Where you know, how, how do you feel about that? Does it take the quality of the podcast down? I, I have found that it does. Some people maybe do it a little bit better. It's something that I've never done um, and, and really won't. Yeah. Even if my podcast was massive, I'm not going to do that. Because at the end of the day, I always say the same thing. Seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. If I just had you on my podcast because I'm like, well, can't get anyone to pay me. But Anna said that she'd give me a $500. So I guess I'll have her on the podcast. Like Without actually exploring the fact, is this really the right guest? I yeah. just took it because of the money. Now I'm seeking a person of profit instead of a person of value. Yeah. And as soon as you do that, I just find the quality of everything you do really starts to diminish. I believe that profit should be a byproduct of the quality that you add. And I think a podcast is just, again, one of the most beautiful ways the world is being served. And if you turn that into a profit machine, the podcast itself, I do believe in monetizing it, but not from the perspective of who you're bringing on the show. Yeah. So people listening, if you're toying with that idea, it may not be the most high quality podcast or... Um, you know, who knows? I hear rumors that the huge podcasters take money, but who knows? Who knows? I want to stay out of that world. I don't know it very well. I know podcasting from a yeah. indie podcaster standpoint, but the big shows, I learned a lot about the publishing space in the last couple of years. It made me really sad to hear how many dollars move back and forth to make things uh, appear on lists and stuff I didn't know about. And I'd hate to hear it if podcasting was the same way. So I'm going to sit here and be naive and just pretend like, no, that's not the case. But I didn't say it. It probably is. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I think so. Um, so how can people find you? Um, join Podmatch, all, all the things. Yeah. So I mean, everything that I'm doing is at podpros.com, which is just the parent company of Podmatch. So you can find Podmatch there. You can find anything else I'm doing, all my social links. But 
I mean, I really love what you're doing here with Entrepreneur Publishing Academy. Like, I think this is a beautiful show. You've done such a good job bringing the right people on. And I just recommend everyone keep on hanging out with Anna. You're really going to go places together here. And and thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Alex. And thanks y'all for listening. Thanks for joining me this week on Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with Anna David. For more info about the show, go to entrepreneurpublishing.academy where you can get links to show notes and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and all the other places. Speaking of those places, if you got anything out of this show, I can't tell you how much I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. And please, don't forget you can tell an author or entrepreneur friend about the show. Another forget-me-not, my company, Legacy Launchpad Publishing, is available to help industry leaders and those with stories to share at any stage in their publishing journeys, whether that's writing, editing, or publishing, just go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com to find out more. And be sure to tune in next week for next week's episode. You know, if you subscribe, you never have to worry about missing one.